there were a couple of key words that we learned last week. Um, one of those words was grace, and you defined it for me. Anybody want to define it this morning? Grace is what? What did you say it was? Unmerited favor. Forgiven. What else? It's something that we we get that we don't know. No, no. What was it now? We didn't earn it. Okay. Grace. That's right. Mercy. What's mercy? Not getting what you do deserve. You do deserve something, but I'm going to withhold it from you. Yes. God gave us his son, his grace. Hey, Jason, how are you this morning? Gives us his grace. And, um, and even though we deserve death and punishment, he withholds that because of the blood of his son Jesus when we trust him. Understand? His grace and mercy. We used the word rescue last week. There was a word within chapter 1 in those first few verses, rescue. And it wasn't meaning just taking us out of the world, um, but allowing us the opportunity to endure and to, and to stay strong in the midst of the world. Because if he were to pull us out of the world as Christians, can you imagine what this world would be like? That was not the prayer rescue us. Don't take us out of the world, but allow us the opportunity to endure. Um, we use the word gospel. Um, let's see. Where is Mr. Jack Post? Is he still in here this morning? Define for us the word gospel, the good news. Define it for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's right. Um, and I want to I say this up front because I'm not going to go back and remind you about Saul and his transition, his transformation to Paul and his road to Damascus and what took place there in his life. Um, but I want you to remember this statement. Religious activity can leave us lifeless and empty. Religious activity can leave us lifeless and empty. But when we meet Jesus and you stand before him and you kneel and you go prostrate before him, your life is different. And see, that's what took place with this guy by the name of Saul who had transitioned, the guy that we would know as Paul, is that before Jesus, his life was fulfilled with religious activities, carrying out the acts of Judaism, the, the obedience to the law, the persecution of Christians because they were a threat to, to Judaism. Um, he was, his life was full of those, those activities, but when he met Jesus, Rosalie, life was different. It was different. And that's the thing that we want to hold on because he had left and over a period of time he had winned and he, had, he was a part of planting churches in various areas in this, this region that we call Galatia, which would be modern-day Turkey. And he had gone and he, had, he was involved in the lives of these people. 
And he had told them the gospel. He had shared the gospel with them that, that the gospel wasn't the obedience to the laws and it wasn't all this other stuff, this other junk, but it was salvation through faith alone in Christ Jesus. That's what he had left them with. And he had, he had transitioned and he had moved on and word had gotten back to him that, that there were these people, these Judaizers, that had, that had went in behind him and they had said, well, you know, we believe in Jesus and, and Paul, but he only, he, he only told you part of the story. There's more to the story. Jesus plus, Jesus plus, Jesus plus. And Paul would say, it isn't Jesus plus anything. And I'm going to tell you this, as I've sat down through this, and I shared this with somebody. I don't remember if I shared it with Brian or somebody. Maybe it was Mr. Cecil. We were in a conversation. Walking through the book of Galatians is so convicting because it shows us how far off we had gotten. I'll take you back just for a second. I want to read it to you. you know, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 15, I want to remind us because there was a time within the conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles and salvation that, that um, this issue was dealt with. Jesus plus something because they were trying to make it difficult for the Gentiles that were coming to Christ. And this is what it said in, in Acts chapter 15, and this is just sort of a side note for you, again, to remind you of what was going on in that time. The church at Antioch had sent Paul and Barnabas back to Jerusalem to deal with this issue of salvation by grace through faith in Christ. And um, so the apostles, it says in verse 6, so the apostles and the elders met together to resolve the issue. At the meeting, at, uh, after a long discussion, Acts chapter 15, verse uh, 7, at the meeting after a long discussion, Peter stood up and he addressed them as follows. Now Peter was the first one to take the gospel to the Gentiles through Cornelius. And he, he was the one that God had led to start that process. But listen to what he says, brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you sometime long ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. See, what had taken place was Christianity had it started in Jerusalem, but it had been scattered because of the persecutions that had been taking place. There was a guy by the name of Stephen that was stoned in Acts chapter 7, I think it is. And you can go back and look. And Paul agreed with that stoning, that persecution that had taken place. And as a result of that persecution, the Christians scattered into all kinds of places. Are you with me? So the Christians had been scattered, and so how would they hear? And the Lord had used Peter to begin with to tell them the good news. Verse 8, God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by believing, by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. Sometimes we look at people that are different from us, they look different, they smell different, they may have a different color, their clothes may be different, their attitudes may be different, and we go, but there's no hope for them. And they clarified here, there was no distinction between us and them. So verse 10, so why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke or a teaching, a teaching that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone listen. You can imagine these guys gathered in the room. Everyone listen as quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. And when they had finished, James, the brother of Jesus, stood up and he said, Brothers, listen to me. He was a leader in the church at that time. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles. 
uh, to take them a people for himself. And this conversation of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted as it was written. Look, skip down to verse 19. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Boy, that should really just nail us because don't we have certain expectations of people on the outside, what they should look like? But Paul said, no. Forget about adding all that other junk. It's salvation by grace through faith. And that salvation is not an excuse or a license to continue in sin. And he addresses that in the book of Romans and some other places. But I thought, wow. But we try to set up our little religious organizations and they look right and they function right. And then Paul said, wow. Just like the Judaizers. Let's start today at uh, Galatians chapter 1 verse 11. Let's read what he has to say as we walk through this this morning. Galatians chapter 1 um, verse 11. And this is what he says. Dear brothers and sisters, remember who the brothers and sisters were? They were the believers there that he was, he was with. I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on human reasoning. I received, and you might want to, this is a really good, this is a great passage of scripture to underline all the eyes. Lots of eyes here. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation. You can underline that word revelation, and the, the Greek for that word revelation is apokalupsis, which means that which was unknown has now been made known. That which was per previously not known has now been made known. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Who did he receive the revelation from? Jesus Christ. Did he, re did he receive it sitting and listening amongst a bunch of other teachings? No, where did he get it from? From Jesus. Where, did it, where was that revealed to him? On the road to Damascus? Yes. Um, you know, there must have been a tremendous amount of pressure on Paul at that time of where he had got his teachings from. And Paul, Paul said this, listen guys, what I'm telling you is he's writing back to the Galatians because the Judaizers had come in and tried to undermine his authority and his leadership by saying, by throwing some question marks in who he was, who Paul was, and where he received his information. Paul said, listen guys, what I'm telling you isn't something that I've set down and I've figured out. What I'm telling you isn't a new philosophy of life. What I'm sharing with you didn't come from the lips of another preacher, another person, or another teacher. What Paul is saying, what I'm sharing with you, what I shared with you came directly from where? From Jesus himself. It was a direct revelation from Jesus himself. See, religion is people coming together, usually around a, a certain teacher, um, a, a central person, and what they do is they put together these rituals and these religious activities and these understandings. And Paul, what he does up front, he says, listen, I want you to understand this. The gospel, the good news that I preach to you isn't something that was made up, but it came, it was made known to me specifically through Jesus Christ himself. I didn't get it from another man. I didn't learn it in a seminary, but I got it as a direct revelation from Jesus what I preached to you was that God revealed himself through his son, Jesus. And what Jesus taught us was that we could know the Father and that we could live for him. What Paul said was, listen, I didn't teach you speculations about God. 
But I taught you that we could know God through his son. Here's Jesus. He's already been crucified. He has already been resurrected and he's gone to heaven. And what Paul is saying is that Jesus is alive. He came down from heaven and he spoke to me specifically. He taught me. And Paul said, listen, if you're opposing me, you're not opposing my brains. You're not opposing my religious, my religious thoughts. You're not opposing my philosophies. You are opposing God. Don't listen to me because I'm a great teacher. Don't listen to me because I was well-educated and trained. He said, but listen to me because what I'm telling you was revealed to me through the resurrected Christ. Now see, if you're a Christian... If you're a Christ follower, there is the before Christ, and then there is the after Christ. See, if you're a Christian, there is my life before Christ, there is when I met Christ, and then there is the after I met Christ, my life since meeting Christ. And guys, there's a difference. This is who I was before. This is the fact that I had a Damascus, a Damascus experience and I met Christ and I realized the gospel, I realized the good news, and I trusted in that good news. I placed my faith, I received something that was a free gift, and now my life is different because I've had a, I've had a, a meeting, I have had a, uh, a revelation, a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus Christ. It changes things. You should be able to relate to this. If there was a time in your life before Christ, if you're a believer, there should be a time before Christ where you didn't understand. And there should be that time in your life when you go, whoo, and the light went off. Right, Karen? It was like the bells just started ringing. And then all of a sudden it was just, and now you should be different. I didn't say you should be perfect because we're all on the journey. And as I look at every one of us in this room, Mike's on a different journey. You know, Wes is, we're on the same journey, but we're at a different place. Alan, I don't know where he is in the journey, but he's on the journey. Larry, on the journey. I don't know where you are on the journey, but you're on the journey. But we're different. We're transformed. Look at verse 13 as Paul talks to us about who he was before his encounter with Christ. Verse 13, he says, you know what I was, what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion. How I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. And Paul said, listen, guys, you know who I was before Christ. Larry, do people know who you were before Christ? Oh, they know who you were. You was Larry. I heard this. Man, if Larry can come to Christ, anybody can come to Christ. I heard that. I heard that. Man, if the Lord has spoken to Larry, Wow. Can you imagine the people talking about Paul? You knew who I was beforehand. You knew who I was before I came to met Christ. He said, I held so tight to what I had learned in the traditions of my family. And this is so applicable for us. Because we can carry on the religious traditions. We can be very passionate about a bunch of stuff and be headed to hell the whole time. You can show up for church on Sunday morning every Sunday and not miss a Sunday. You can give. And man, you can be passionate about giving. You can go to every Bible study there is. Man, you can, you can get together with a group of people and you can do all kinds of mission work. You can go to Poland this summer. You can go to Nicaragua next summer. You can do anything you want to do and still hold on to the religious tr traditions and philosophies and totally miss it 
and miss it. And this is so confusing because some of you know people that you go, man, those are great people. But what did we learn a few weeks ago? Good people don't go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people do. That's it. So here is Saul, Paul, who's the fanatic for his Jewish beliefs and traditions, even so that he was willing to die for his beliefs, all because he was perpetuating a movement and a religious, tradition, a religious philosophy. And now we understand why his, his conversion was so significant because he had a meeting, a face-to-face -face meeting with Christ. And he would go from being persecutor to being persecuted. This is the guy that would eventually be beheaded by Nero somewhere between 65 and 70 for his faith in Christ Jesus. And you know what Paul realized? You can complete an awful lot of religious activity and be empty and worthless without Christ. Look at verse 15. And before Paul's interaction with Jesus on the road to Damascus, that's what Paul's life was like. But what about Paul's life afterwards? Look at verse 15 there. But, it's a big but, even before I was born, God chose me and he called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. And I'm going to come back and give you some points in a, in a, in a minute about some characteristics of something. But I want you to hear what he's saying. I'll read it for you again. But even before I was born, before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. And then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. And Paul says, listen, guys, before I was even born, God had a plan for my life. Jeremiah chapter 1, um, there's, a, there's a comment that Jeremiah makes. I want to read it to you. Jeremiah 1 chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 4, he says this, The Lord gave me this message, Jeremiah's, Jeremiah's call. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Um, here it was Paul saying, The Lord knew me prior to. Same thing that he said to Jeremiah. Prior to, while before you were ever born, I had set you apart and I had appointed you. And just as the Lord had a plan for Jeremiah's life, he had a plan for Paul's life. And just as he had a plan for Paul's life, he's got a plan for your life. Now you may think it's being a golf pro, or you may think it's working out or painting, or you may think it's being a teacher, or you may think it's you know, working in plumbing, or you may think it's in, in, uh, in the business world in some type of a way. God has a specific plan for you. And I, my question today is sort of like this. If God's got a plan, if he had a plan for Jeremiah, if he had a plan for Paul, what's his plan for you? What's his plan for you? You just don't think about those all the time. See, that was neat because in our conversations with Brian and I talking this week, Brian was thinking, he was start, you start thinking outside the walls. You should start thinking about not what is it I want to do. God, what is it you want me to do? And God... What is your plan for my life? See, when I was 14 years old, I, ha I came to sort of some decisions that either I wanted to go with my plan or I'm going to go with God's plan. 
And that allowed me to be able to say no to some things. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I've got that worked out because every day I have to say, okay, Lord, where am I at in this process? How do I set aside what I want to do? And, Lord, how do I follow what you want me to do? Because when you do what the Lord wants you to do, it brings you to a place of adjustment. That causes conflict. That causes tension. Obedience to the Lord brings about attention because it's a, it's a battle between flesh and spirit. There's a tension that's there. And you've got to answer whether or not you're going to follow the Lord or you're going to continue to stay where you are. But what's God's plan for your life? Look at what he says about in, in reference to Paul in verse 16 as he wrote to the Galatians. Paul said this, So that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. You know, the Lord doesn't bring reveal himself to us um, or his plan is not for us to be glorified what's his plan for him to be glorified the lord doesn't reveal himself so that we can bring glory to ourselves so that we can but so that we can glorify him and that's exactly what paul would do he is set aside and when he had that face-to-face -face encounter his life was altered and all of a sudden he was redirected. It was redirected. Verse 16, when this happened, when Jesus came to him, I didn't rush out to consult with human beings, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were the apostles before I was. Instead, I went away to Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. I mean, it's very common practice today. We read a lot of books, and what we end up doing is we reveal what, what somebody else has written. We use them in sermons. We sing songs. You do that all the time, don't you? You read a book and all of a sudden it becomes your catchphrases. We do that. We do that in sermons. We'll be listening to something. And man, Lord, you write that down. That sounded really, really, really good. And we repeat those things. And that's exactly what was going on with these, these people that were accusing Paul. They said, he's just, he's just repeating stuff that he's heard from these other guys. He's repeating things that he's heard from the other apostles. But he said, no, mm -mm, no. He said, I didn't get it from the apostles, but Jesus taught me himself. See, what happened after the transformation of Paul's life is he separated himself for three years into an area, and Jesus became his teacher. Just as Jesus walked with the apostles, he would now walk with Paul in an intimate way, and he would separate himself. He had no contact with those other people. But it was a time of him being taught. Three years he spent in Arabia studying, meditating, and listening to the Lord's, into the Lord's voice. And he separated himself for that period of training. The reason that Peter, James, and John, and the other disciples, as well as Paul, preached the same message is they got the message from the same person. Jesus. Look at verse 18. Then three years later, after meeting Jesus, after meeting Jesus, Paul says, I then went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at this time was James, the Lord's brother. And I declare before God that what I'm writing to you is not a lie. It's not a lie. We could say, I wonder why he only stayed there 15 days. I mean, would you want to stay in a place 15 days that uh, you were afraid of being killed. I mean, these guys had to be completely terrified 
he, I mean, I can't imagine he stayed there 15 days in hiding because there were people there within that area that wanted to destroy him and kill him. See, they knew Paul as a murderer. They knew Paul as a persecutor of believers, and they were probably afraid of him. And everywhere he went, they were like going, I saw Paul over it. I saw him over at their other house. Keep your eye on him. Watch him. Keep your eye on him. Because I just don't believe. And so he met with Peter, and while he was there, he also met with James, Jesus' brother. And Paul is constantly, constantly defending his position what had happened, the information, who trained him, where did he get, where did his, what was his source? And they didn't believe that he was telling the truth. And I can imagine the difficulties that he went through in those early years of his Christian faith because of who he was and now who he is. And what people would say and the questions that would come up and the persecutions and the accusations and the encouragement for him to remain faithful amidst all of that stuff that was going on. See, this is the difference, guys. Paul wasn't sitting in a church service like this, and there was an invitation, a time to respond that was given, and Paul raised his hand and said, I, I, I want to follow Jesus. Paul just didn't, he wasn't in a church service and say, I want to follow, follow Jesus. He, he, he just didn't pray a prayer, and he just didn't feel sorry about his past. This is a man that had a face-to-face encounter with the Lord and he saw his sinfulness and he repented. Do you know what repentance is? Repentance isn't just feeling sorry for what you've done. And some of us think we have a relationship with God because we felt sorry for what we've done, but we've never repented. Repentance is when we turn, Diane. It's when we're headed in this direction and repentance is when we turn. And the scripture says we don't do good works um, to be saved, but we do good works to show evidence of our repentance. We are heading in this direction. I'm going to Bellevue. No, I'm not. I'm going to Leesburg. I'm headed in the opposite direction. And that's what took place in Paul's life. And if you're a Christ follower, that should be, should be what is taking place in your life. There was a time of repentance when you were heading this direction, and all of a sudden you're heading in this direction. With Paul's conversion and his obedience, Christianity exploded. With Paul's conversion and his obedience, Christianity exploded. Have you ever thought, have you, have you ever imagined the potential if you were all in not standing on the line. You ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the potential if you were all in and not just standing on the line? Have you ever thought of the potential of the people around you to have an influence there within your community in which you live? What happens if you were all in and just instead of standing on the line? Can you imagine the potential of our families if we were all in instead of just standing on the line? Can you imagine the potential in the workplace if you were all in instead of just standing on the line? What would have happened if Paul would have just fallen into the pattern of just going to church, enjoying life? I'm here. Carl, I'm here, baby. I'm, it's all about, hey, it's all about me. I like the music, I don't like the music. I like the seats, I don't like the seats. I like the person sitting beside me, I don't like the person sitting beside me. And that's the pattern that some of us fall into. It's all about me. 
It's not about adjusting our life and following Christ and being transformed. When you meet Jesus, things change. And Paul was chosen by God. He became an apostle appointed by God to take the message of Jesus out to people who weren't Jews, who didn't have the traditions, who didn't maybe speak Hebrew, who didn't have the Old Testament in their understanding. And the questions begin to fly. Well, do I have to be circumcised? Do I have to obey the feast and the festivals? Do I have to obey all the traditions? You know, what is it I need to do? And in the midst of all the conversations, this was what Paul would say. No, it's just about Jesus. It's just about Jesus. It's not Jesus plus anything, but it's, it's Jesus because he's the one that fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. And we can worship him now and we can serve him from whatever culture we are, from wherever place that we are. We can serve him and we don't need to perform for him and we don't have to have all the kind of rituals and traditions. All we need is Jesus revealed to us from God. And then we love him and obey him and believe him and follow him and serve him. All we need is Jesus. And Paul says, listen, I am telling you the truth. In verse 21, it says, after that visit, I went to north, north into the provinces of Syria and Sicilia, and still the Christians in the churches in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that the people were saying, the, ones who used to the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith that he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. So in the midst of the opposition that Paul faced, he didn't stay long in any place, but he was constantly traveling. But Paul's transformation, word of that transformation was traveling. And Paul was like the traveling evangelist. Hey, they would sort of tap it up. Come see Paul, the guy's life who was transformed. He's going to be speaking tonight at 7 o'clock in the synagogue. You need to come hear him. And people would flock because they had heard the story of his transformation and what had taken place. They probably posted signs up in the city. And Paul said this, and it sounds a little bold, they praised God because of me. But this wasn't a look-at-me statement. This was a fact of how God was using Paul, his past, and his testimony of transformation, and the gospel to reach other people with the good news. See, what Paul did is he made his story available of what God had done. When's the last time you've shared your story with somebody of what God did in your life? Do you have a story? If you have a story, you need to share it. Don't be afraid of that. But it wasn't his story that he was trying to elevate. It was the good news of what Jesus had done. And as Paul went, it wasn't about him, but it was how to bring glory to the Father. I heard a story the other day. I thought, wow, it's a neat story. To bring glory to that person? No. But to bring glory to the Father. Rosalie. Impromptu, baby. Can you handle it? Sure. People are scared now. I'm going to call out on them. You got to come here. <clears throat> Brian, does one of these microphones work? Let me see. You sure? All right, you're positive. Said always be ready, right? Always be ready to share. Share a little bit of your story, whatever you feel comfortable. Understand this. There are these people in here. None of us in here are perfect. So you have to realize that to start off with. We've heard some unbelievable stories over the past three years. But your life is a story of transformation. Still being transformed. You're not complete. 
you're completed in Christ, but you're still on this journey of faith. Share with them a little bit about your story. Sure. Okay. Is this on? Yes, on. Okay. Um, I guess I will start with um, my life before Christ. Um, I guess the best way to describe it, I was probably hopeless. I was depressed. Um, just really saw no way out. Um, I lived a life characterized by worthlessness and shame. Um, just in my past, I have um, experienced sexual abuse, physical abuse, and um, just Growing up, um, I chose to deal with those feelings by um, drugs and alcohol. And um, I guess about a year and a half ago, um, after a particularly bad weekend, um, my sister Brooke um, brought up um, the Christian Care Center in Leesburg. Um, it was a Christ-based program, and um, I tried everything that the world has suggested I try to, to deal with it, and um, I just couldn't do it. And all along, everything, I've always had um, an iron will been able to accomplish anything I set my mind out to, but this was just something that was beyond my power. So um, I entered the Christian Care Center in Leesburg, and um, as soon as I went there, just the peace that only God can give. Um, really just um, surrounded me. And throughout that time, um, just my mind began to be transformed, uh, both by the love of God's people and the truth of God's word. Um, now, let me ask you this question. Yes. I want to stop you, but I want to say this. Sure. You had gone to church. I'd gone to church, yes. I'd gone to church, but... You can, was, you can pull it okay. You had gone to church. Yes, I had gone to church all growing up, but um, to me, it was just a, a story. And... Um, yeah, as I, when my parents, when I was in middle school, they gave us the decision whether we wanted to continue going to church or not. And I would go here and there, but in my mind, you know, God wasn't there for me then, so I had really no use for him now. And that's just truthfully the way I felt. Um, so when I went to Leesburg, really, and experienced, um, like you said, just the truth of God's word and the love of God's people, just, um, you know, for the first time in my life, people just loved me unconditionally. And it was and still is key for me. Um, I just developed a passion for memorizing scripture. And it was imperative that I take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, you know. Just replacing all of those false beliefs by the truth of God's word, you know. And I'm not going to say that, you know, I became a Christian and then it was all roses from there. Um, you know, Bible says in Joshua, choose today whom you shall serve. And that's a decision that I will have to make every day until um, Christ takes me home. But, um, it was interesting. I was just talking to uh, my sister Brooke the other day, and I just thank God every day for him allowing those experiences in my life. Um, only because um, I knew I had tried everything in my own power. So I knew that it wasn't my power that would help me get victory in this area of my life. Um, it was the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in my life that uh, gave the, me the ability to do this. And uh, I just, you know, I have more joy in my life now than I could ever imagine. I work for an amazing Christian family. Um, I'm a part of the Celebrate Recovery Ministry, and more importantly, I've developed a confidence of uh, who I am in Christ, you know, and I love the truth of um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, all things have been made new. So thank you for allowing me to share. Great. Paul had a life before, and then he met Christ, and then there's another story. Rosalie, 
There was before Christ some religious activities. But then you met Christ. It changed things. Are you just doing a bunch of religious stuff? Or have you truly met him? I love that song. He walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. Paul sums up his testimony in his travels by saying this in Galatians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. Doesn't matter whether you've been circumcised or not. What it matters is whether or not your life has been transformed into a new creation. To give you a couple things, if you want to hold on to this, these were characteristics of Paul's, Paul's transformed life in Christ. Number one, Paul's conversion was something that God did, it wasn't something that Paul did. Number two, Paul's conversion was by grace. It wasn't by his efforts. Number three, it was through Christ Jesus that he was saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Number four, he was saved for the sake of other people. If you've met Jesus and your life has been transformed. It wasn't so that you can just be a better person. You were saved so that you could have an impact in the lives of other people. So that you could disciple other people to grow in their faith, Debbie. So that, Janie, that people could be able to go to other places and to share the love of Christ. Just as Paul, we weren't saved to hold on to the gospel, the good news, but to take it into other places. And number five... It was all done for God's glory, not our own. Um, and when people, when Paul said this, Paul said, um, Paul, wasn't, Paul wasn't saying, look at me because of my testimony. Don't look at me because of my information and my knowledge. Paul says, look at Jesus because that's, that's the source. Um, years ago, um, Meredith and I had the opportunity to do a, a premier musical for a, a group out of Nashville, uh, Word Music, um, which is a Christian publishing group. And there was a guy by the name of Stephen Taylor, not the Stephen Taylor that you guys are thinking of on American Idol, but there was a, a Christian writer, uh, Stephen Tyler. Yeah. I just know somebody said his parents live in the villages. You know, it's like everybody now, their parents live in the villages, right? <clears throat> Stephen Tyler. Stephen Taylor was his name. Stephen V. Taylor, I believe. And the musical was called People Need the Lord. And they had sent us, we were going to premiere this musical in front of a thousand people with, with a bunch of students. We're about 65 or 70 students. We were going to perform the musical in hopes that they would be able to see this and go, man, that's something we can really use. 
And so we traveled with this team to Memphis, Tennessee, and we, we performed there at a music conference for these thousand ministers of music. But before we got there, they had sent us the sheet music because it had yet to be written, um, yet to be published. So we got all the, the beginning work uh, on written out in, in, in handwriting. And, uh, and the musical was great. And we were used to doing choreography with musicals. Uh, our kids, we would teach them certain things so that would add to the music. Um, and the guy said, listen, I want you to hold on. Before you do the choreography, we want to have a professional choreographer. Um, we want them to do that, and we'll send you what we want you to do. So they sent us that um, um, videotape. I couldn't even remember the name of it. Uh, uh, the videotape because it's now we're in DVDs and all this other stuff, but they sent us a, a videotape of what they wanted us to do with the kids. And I just laughed. I go, I called the, the producer up in, in Nashville. I said, we're not doing that. He goes, do you know how much money we spent um, trying to produce and get that choreography done so that you get, I said, well, listen, man, I'm not doing this. And he said, why? I said, because if we do that, that will take away from the message that we're trying to, to get through and the people need the Lord, the musical. I said the, the attention will be drawn to all the kids and all these, these extravagant movements. And is that what you want us to do? You want us to lose the meaning of the musical so they can see these movements? Katie, were you a part of that? And I said, this is ridiculous. I said, I'm just not going to do it. And we came to an agreement. Um, but if we would have done what they wanted us to do, it would have taken away from the message. It would have overshadowed the message. Listen, our lives are not to overshadow the message, but to enhance the message of Jesus. Not to try to outshine Him or bring attention to ourselves, but to elevate Him. So there's lots of questions I can ask you today. Has there been life transformation? Do you have a story? What's the story like? Who are you trying to elevate? You just have to figure out what is it the Lord's saying to you and whether or not you're willing to respond. Today, if you don't know Christ, I'd love to sit down and talk to you because it's simple. The gospel is very simple. That Jesus was crucified on a cross. That he was buried in a tomb and that he was resurrected from the grave. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. All we have to do is receive it and trust it. Our religious activity comes as a result of our relationship with Christ. It's not our work that saves us. Paul was fighting against that. And we as a church must fight against that. But whatever the Lord is saying to you this morning, the question is whether or not you're willing to alter your life to be obedient and to follow him. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day. Uh, your word speaks. We don't have to add to it, subtract to it, come up with even, even clever stories to illustrate it. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. And this morning, I know without a shadow of a doubt, there are people here that are questioning their their salvation experience. Maybe it's that they just felt salt, but they, uh, sorry, but they never repented and turned. There may be some people here, Lord, that have walked away from you that are not living in obedience. There are some people right now, Lord, that might, you might be speaking to their hearts and you might be wanting to alter their, their future, but they're just questioning whether or not they're willing to trust you.
there may be somebody here this morning that doesn't know you, but Lord is saying, I want to know the Jesus that Paul was talking about. Question for us, Lord, and whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking, whether or not we're willing to respond. If there's someone here that doesn't know Christ, would they just come and see me afterwards? There's a decision that needs to be made. Would we, would be, we be responsive and faithful to say, I want to follow through? In Jesus' name, amen.